Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, welcome to the Depression Club podcast, a community of like-minded young adults who are all grieving a similar loss. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with inspirational people from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. In this podcast, our guests will tell their own grief story, discussing how their losses have impacted their lives and the past they have found themselves on. We laugh, we cry, but together we've come to realise that we are far from alone in our own grief journeys. Don't think that, you know, you're bothering other people. Don't let the society make you believe that your grief is not important and your pain should not be seen and your grief should not be witnessed. I think it's the total opposite. And I think what you're doing and what I'm doing on Instagram and what other accounts are doing is really opening the conversation because grievers you know there used to be silence like it's okay for you to grieve for you know a week or a month but then you you don't want other people to be uncomfortable with your grief or with your loss or with whatever pain you're you're carrying with you and it's not okay i don't think it's okay <laughs> i really don't think it's okay so what we're all doing in this grief community is trying to make death and grief less taboo Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Deb Prankle podcast. I know that things are really difficult out there at the moment and well especially for young grievers like ourselves and especially if you've been bereaved recently so I just want to say that I really hope that this podcast is useful to as many of you as possible right now and is providing you with some sort of comfort and friendship and companionship during these really weird times and um, that's what it's here for so I just want to know that I'm sending all of you my love. So this week on the podcast, I was joined by Patricia from the Instagram account Nishama's Journey. Um, she joined me recently to tell her own grief story since losing her mum from pancreatic cancer in November 2019. In this episode, you'll hear Patricia tell her own story and we'll talk about a few different things in this podcast, such as how we found the first couple of weeks after losing somebody, how our relationships with our friends and loved ones can be affected by the loss of someone close to us, the importance of speaking out about grief and not letting it be a taboo subject and how Patricia has found grieving during a global pandemic. And I'm sure many of you will be be able to relate to this episode. Before we jump in, if you find this podcast useful and if it has helped you through your grief journey, I would be so grateful if you would consider donating towards its future. This is a not-for-profit podcast and it is run purely by myself and comes with various costs, including podcast hosting, software to record remotely with guests from all over the world, and graphic design tools and much more. So 
You can either sign up as a patron of the show if you're a frequent listener and donate a monthly amount from as little as $1 or donate a single sum to my GoFundMe page. You can find links to do both of those things just in the show notes. And don't forget to like and subscribe because I absolutely love nothing more than reading the reviews from you guys, especially from those of you that it's really helped. So let's get right into this week's episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Yeah. Um, So first of all, Patricia, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and speak to me and tell me your story. Thank you so much for having me. I've been following you ever since, you know, I've joined this online grief community on Instagram and I started listening to your podcast. And as I was telling you earlier, podcast was really one of my first grief companion because after my mother passed and I'm sure we're going to talk about her passing a little bit later. I needed really the support. I didn't know where to look. So I started searching for books about grief on Amazon. But the thing I was, you know, I was most happy about was to listen to the podcast because it was just, you know, a friendly voice with you. (laughs) And, you know, there wasn't much I was able to do at that time, like especially early in the grief. So going for walks and listening to grief podcast, it was such, you know, such a companion, you know, just mm. like a soothing voice, knowing that someone is going through the same. So I love the way that you call me. it. Like, I love the way that you call it like a grief companion. It is. Um, Cause like, it's such it a with perfect you. way <laughs> to describe it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's such a good idea. Um, well, if you wouldn't mind kind of introducing yourself, really, kind of where you're from and um, where you're living at the moment and what you do, just so people can get to know a little bit about you and your background. Yes, of course. So my name is Patricia de Picciotto. I grew up in Geneva, Switzerland. I've been a- around a-, a lot. I lived in London for a few years. Then I lived in Brazil for 10 years. And now I've been living wow. in New York for the past five years and a half. But I, that's amazing yeah how come, how come you've kind of changed like moved around so much um, my parents were okay so my parents are Lebanese they they left Lebanon during the war in the 70s and they moved to Hong Kong so I was born in Hong Kong and my father was there for work he they stayed for a few years and then they decided to move to Geneva Switzerland also for work so this is really where I grew up from one to 21 so school and university I was in Geneva so it's really home for me yeah and then I moved to London because I was studying gemology for two years and I worked there also for a while and then my parents got a divorce when I was 15 and my mother remarried to a Brazilian so she had moved to Sao Paulo a few years before me wow and in 2000 five I decided to join her just for a year I was starting to work I wanted to learn like a new language and I just thought let's you know let's have a gap year in Brazil and learn Portuguese so I moved there but yeah but very early on I ended up meeting my husband I mean you know my future husband so I Mm. did a year that I started working there and then we got engaged and I ended up staying 10 years (laughs) So I was. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so I was very lucky, I have to say, because for a very long time it was me and my mom, you know, in Geneva, because I was the youngest of three sister, and then my parents had got a divorce. I was the only one home, 
So it was yeah. difficult for me when my mom moved, but I also moved to London at that time. But I feel that I was very lucky to have those 10 years with her because she yeah. saw me in my early adulthood, you know, when I started working, then when I got married, when I had my kids. So at least I was with Aww. her for, for all those moments. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how blessed. Definitely. That's lovely. Um, so obviously you've mentioned your mum there. So she's obviously the reason why you're part of the Dead Parent Club now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, tell us then about, you know, that loss and just a brief insight into your background and how it happened. So my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer back in January 2018. So it was really a shock because at that time, so I had moved to New York in uh, March 2015. And at that time, they had diagnosed her husband, my stepfather, with colon cancer. So for three years, she was, you know, his caretaker. And, you know, we were always worried about him, you know, always, you know, waiting for PET scan after the other, you know. Um, witnessing him undergoing chemo so we never thought like in a million years that my mother could also get sick at the same time and actually in January 2018 my mom was not feeling very well she had some symptoms she was yellowish she went to the doctor and the next day you know he was yeah you have a tumor in your pancreas luckily it's in a place where they can remove it you you can still get surgery but you'll have to go under you know other treatments after but still you know i will never forget the day i got the text because we have time difference between brazil switzerland where my sister are and new york so my mother got the diagnosis in the morning it was already afternoon for my sister but i was still sleeping so i woke up that day with that text message because they tried to call me. I had all those missed calls and it's never good news, by the way, when you wake up to so many missed calls. Oh my God, no. (laughs) There's obviously something going on. Like if it wasn't, you know, they know I was sleeping. It was 7 a.m. or 7.30 a.m. in New York. Mm. So before I was even able to call them back, my sister had sent me a message saying, they find a tumor in her pancreas call me she had to go you know she has to get surgery probably next week everyone was panicking everyone was in shock I think we were so into my stepfather's cancer we never 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 could imagine that something would happen to my mom and so difficult when you're all living so far from each other so as well. difficult so that I remember it was a Friday so I was in shock like I had barely waking up and I woke up to that news so I tried to call my sister, then my mom, everybody was in shock, everybody was crying. And it was a Friday, it was my father's birthday, but I think this that year everyone kind of forgot to call him because we were all uh-huh. with the shock of, of that news. And mm. the next day, Saturday, the surgeon calls my mom and he's like, we're able to schedule the surgery for, I think it was the following Wednesday or Thursday. And I talked to the kids and I'm like, okay, guys, um, you're going to stay with daddy for a few weeks because, you know, my mother needs surgery. I didn't know how long I was gone for because they, they they told us that she might be in intensive care for a while, but they didn't say how long yeah. she would stay in the hospital. 
And just like this, after that weekend, I left. And I think I stayed with her in the hospital for three weeks or three weeks and a half until she went back home. And, you know, after that, it's you're dealing with cancer. Uh, although they were able mm. to remove the tumor, she still had to to undergo some chemo treatment, PET scan every three months. So our lives, you know, revolved a lot around her cancer and my stepfather cancer at that time. But unfortunately, yeah. so passed away a few months later. So your stepfather did as well. Yeah, July oh, 2018. Awful. So that was really six months after my mom, you know, got her diagnosis and. Yeah, but I bet that was a lot of pressure for you and your, your sisters. A lot. And a lot of worry. And I think mm. I really started having anxiety around May of that year because it was not just the cancer. At at that point, she they were able to remove the, the whole tumor. She was having a very light chemo. She didn't have so much, you know, secondary effect. She was fine. She was able to travel to come see us. But we knew that, you know, one day something gonna will happen to to her husband yeah. and she's she was going to become a widow and that was also very hard to accept yeah 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 living with with cancer although they removed the tumor i feel it's like having a gun you know to your head you don't know mm. when it's gonna you're come waiting back. you're waiting you're mm. always waiting you just cannot relax mm. you know you it's one scan after after the other, and you have this anxiety in between, in between tests where you're just waiting for the result, and is it going to, to come back positive or negative? So, from that point on, you know, it was all about the cancer, the tumor, the treatments. Yeah, yeah. So then, your mom must have. Your mum passed then, what, about six months after your stepdad did? Is so that right? My stepfather uh, passed in July 2018. So six months after my mom, you know, got her first diagnosis. And yeah. my mother passed in November, uh, November 22nd, 2019. So. Uh, okay, so it was a year and a half. A right? year, yeah. yeah. A little bit more than a year yeah. after him. A lot, uh, you know, yeah. dealing with widowhood and and the cancer and the irony is that when he passed she was considered i mean cancer free because at that time you know she was clean all the pets can had came back clean but of course the doctor told her you have to come back in 3 months because we need to check this all the time and yeah. 3 months later when she came back in november to the doctor there was a tumor again on her pancreas mm. and at that point, that was November 2018. So between November 2018 to November 2019, I mean, it's not that we knew it was bad news, but I think you can save yourself from pancreatic cancer once, but maybe not twice. Yeah. So even her, like she knew that she didn't have so much, you know, so many years to live. Maybe she thought like to herself, she might have, five, six, ten years, like we never thought that would be only a year. She thought she could leave, you know, many years with, you know, undergoing chemos and, and trying to learn to live with this disease. We never thought it would be, you know, that fast. 
What was the immediate aftermath then um, after your mum passed away? Obviously, with all of you, like with your sisters, all living so far away from each other, who did you kind of lean on for support during that time? So we we were all in Brazil at that time. So my mom was hospitalized between September and November 2019. But I remember the doctor told us on October 31st, and he told my mom on November 1st that there was nothing else they could do. Like they didn't know if it was a matter of days, of weeks, months. But I remember I was the only one in Brazil at that time with my mom. And he told me, you have to call your family. You need to get ready. Tell them to come. I cannot guarantee, you know, how how, how much left she has. But, you know, already make all the arrangements for the family to be here. And she passed three weeks after. It was also five days after her birthday. So we were able to celebrate her birthday before her passing. And the thing is, in the Jewish tradition, there's a week after the passing where you have prayers. So the burial is almost immediately after. It's really the next day. And following the burial, you have a week of prayer. So that week, you do get a lot of support, like People come visit, they pay their respect, they pay their condolences. Uh, my sisters were there. My father came too. Uh, my aunt was there. My aunt on my father's side came. Many, many friends of my mom, her sisters-in-law. I mean, there was a lot of people. The first week, I think I was totally numb. It's looking back, I don't even know how I, you know, how I survived that first week. I remember being very, very weak. I was drained. I had no energy. I asked a friend because I really believe in Reiki. And I'm like, do you know any like Reiki master that could come and give me some Reiki? Because I feel like I have no energy in my body. Like there's like literally, there's nothing left in me like to be able to stand up. And all that week of prayers, I was getting Reiki every day for five days. And I'm sure it helped me because I was able to release everything during that moment. I was crying during the Reiki. I was getting all those images of my mom. And somehow it was very healing to be able to, you know, release this because during the prayers and when people come and visit you, there's so much, so many conversations, so much talking going around. I yeah, you have like to like keep I, yourself together, don't exactly. you? Exactly, <laughs> and I feel like I needed some privacy. And then the following week, when I thought you know I was going to rest, I had to empty my mother's apartment, and I was very lucky to have many friends in Brazil who helped me, because that was a big task. And then I came back to New York, and I just needed to be alone because it was just too much, too much, too many people at the hospital. Then the funeral, the prayers, emptying the apartment. I I just needed to be like in movies, you know, when you see people just crying, eating ice cream alone yeah. on the couch. I needed <laughs> yeah. that. I'm like, why is this not happening to me? You know, why what I don't have time to like stay on in bed all day and cry. Like I need to be on the go. I need to go to the prayers. I need to talk to people. I need to empty the apartment. I need to go to the lawyer. And after those two weeks, I was able to have, you know, some rest finally. And I needed that. And as I told you earlier, the only thing I was able to do at that point was 
going for walks and listening to podcasts. Because apart from that, I was home. I was in bed. I was sometimes, you know, receiving friends, but very intimate friends for a coffee at home. But that's it. I just, at that point, I needed to take care of myself because I had spent so many weeks in the hospital with my mom, sleeping in the hospital, you know, getting all the news, the anxiety of not knowing when it's going to happen. I needed to just like focus on myself for a little while. Mm, I bet. I bet you did. So what was the most helpful or valuable thing then that somebody kind of did or said for you during that time or even more recently that you think has been like, yeah, that's like, you know, exactly what I needed? Yeah, I think the most helpful at the right beginning was the help I got from my friends to clean up the apartment because you're in another dimension at that point. And I had to clean up the apartment because I was going back to New York and I just couldn't leave the apartment in Brazil with all her stuff in it. So I had to get it done and I could never have done it without my friends because I think you're too emotional, even month after you're too emotional and, and you don't know what to keep. You don't know what to donate. Mm. And I so stressful. Think, yeah. And you, you need the manpower to like fold the clothes, you know, um, opening and closing boxes, you know, doing those small tasks that can seem like they're not important, but they're actually very difficult to do at the beginning. So yeah, yeah, having all those people around me that week for the cleaning week was extremely helpful. A lot of people that I I ask that question to, um, a lot of the time the answers are like actual things that people did rather Mm -hmm. than said, you know, like we really value the people that went out of their way to just help us out rather than just kind of say like, I'm here if you need us. (laughs) Because you do get those messages and they are helpful in the first weeks, but, Mm. but all of a sudden, you know, the the phone stops ringing, you don't get those messages anymore and it feels very lonely. So I know that at the beginning, you know, people try their best and, Yes, they come with the, I'm so sorry, I'm here if you need, I'm here if you need help. But as you said, to have actual help, people physically helping you, it's definitely very valuable because, Priceless. yeah, you, you, you don't really know what to do. So my husband helped me a lot also with all the administration, going to the lawyer, going to the bank. There's so many things to do after a person passed. Like I had never realized that until my stepfather passed. And then my mom had to go through all of this. And I was the person with her. And I'm like, they don't show you this in movies. You know, the person passed no. and there's the funeral and, and, and then they go home and they cry. But they never show you that you have to go to the lawyer. Like, I don't know how many times and go to the bank and, and get the and paperwork it's all the, it's, done. It's the phone calls. It's the phone calls that you get as well. Like for months afterwards, I used to get people calling the house phone mm-hmm. and being like, hi, um, is Joanne Hooker there? Yeah. And I literally just used to say every time, no, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and when we were on the phone, we'd be like, um, sorry, but like you don't see that. Like, yeah. Like the world carries on and thinks that that person is still alive. And it's not until, you know, they're told that people I actually know. realize. And you have to take care of all of the things. I don't, maybe I had to take care of all of these things pretty quickly because I, I was in Brazil just for a couple of weeks after my mom passed. Mm. 
you know, you have to cancel the TV subscription and the credit card and the newspaper and this and that. So wow. it was a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. as I say, you don't see that on TV. You don't see that you have to go through like all those phone calls. So my husband helped me a lot with this. And then really having my friends over at my mom's apartment to help me, you know, packing and putting things into boxes, organizing the donation, organizing, you know, her makeup, her jewelry, her clothing, just for me to have a little bit more clarity. That was that was really valuable. But then I remember mm. coming back to New York and just the first week, actually the first day that I came back. A friend of mine, you know, sent me a cooked dinner and I really, really appreciate it. But after that, I I don't know. I feel like people, you know, they just go back to their life and yeah. you're still very much into your grief. And maybe that's why I started that Instagram account because very early on, you know, people just move on and it's normal. It's not their mom. I mean, it was my mom. It's my grief. It's my pain. But you kind of feel forgotten or neglected pretty early on. Yeah. So I had yeah, to I make got, a few good friends, which the first two, three weeks, you know, used to come to my house, bring me coffee. But then it was the Christmas break. So everyone left, you know, they, everyone went on their own holidays. They went away. And then when everyone was back in January, it was already totally forgotten. And I think this is where mm. it started to become very lonely. Do you think that your loss has like changed your relationships a bit with your friends and your loved ones and stuff? Yes, definitely. But I think it was yeah. a mix of grief and COVID because, so yes, the grief for sure. You can You can see who is there for you, who is not. And mm. I knew exactly when I came back to New York who I wanted to see and who I didn't want to see. Because the, the, the friends that I wanted to see were friends with who I could have those very personal, intimate conversation. Yeah. At that point, I was really not interested about, you know, the small talks and little conversation or whatever. You've got no patience for any of that. No patience at all. And actually, it lasted until today. I feel like I have no patience for that. Same. I don't it's never been five years I'm like no <laughs> yeah and I used to be very social I was working as a tour guide so I was used to talk a lot to a lot of people all day long and then pick up my kids from school and talk to the other moms so at at that moment I, I didn't want to talk that much so I yeah. had friends over that were very very close friends maybe four or five friends and they were the only people I wanted to see and then COVID started yeah and when COVID started and we were you know in our house without seeing anyone for a month I have to say that I realized who I really missed and who I didn't and also when you don't have all this social aspect of life and professional aspect you realize who are the people you really want to be with and who yeah. were the friends that were maybe your 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 work friends or social friends, school friends? Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which is one of the blessings of grief, right? Because without it, you wouldn't have realized that and you wouldn't have realized who the people are that you actually need to invest your time in. But it was, as I say, it was a mix of grief and lockdown because for sure at the beginning with grief, it helped me realize. But also when you don't see the so many people during six months, you really, you know, you really start realizing who you were missing during all this time. Like mm. who you want to see, who you want to connect with. So yeah, I, yeah, so I have to say that it definitely changed my relation. I don't have so much, so much patience now for the small talks, like, coffee with random people not random people but you know just to go out to to chat it's not my thing anymore maybe it will come back maybe I will become a little bit more social in the coming month or years but (laughs) for now I'm really keeping my circles you know close and yeah and I'm just enjoying a few, few friends what about your your partner um how's it been with him with regards to you know you kind of do have a bit of a lack of patience now so like I've been guilty a few times like when my partner's been complaining about you know just not very important stuff and I'm just yeah. like really <laughs> but how's your parent yeah, dad? So, my, so my husband he was very affected when my mother passed because they were very close and oh, I had been right. married for almost 12 years at that at that point we were together for 14 mm. years so he really knew my mother very well and he also took very good care of her and he could understand that I was this way, but you know, there's a limit. My husband still has a mother. He still has his grandmother. So there's so much he can understand. So I think, I mean, the first month for sure, I have to say he was extremely supportive. And after that, maybe he also, you know, started to forget a little bit about the grief so I always had to tell him, you know, like, it, it's normal if I'm like this. I I have bad days. I have good days because I, mm. I really do have bad days. And oh, sometimes yeah, he gets very worried about it. Like, are you sure you're okay? You don't want to see a specialist? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's normal. I'm just sad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just sad. I'm just going to cry. I'm just going to stay in bed. So I think it took a little while to for him to like fully understand and accept. And now I think when it happens to me, he's much more aware that it's normal and it's going to pass and he's Mm, able to be more supportive, but definitely we needed some, you know, conversations at the beginning because he could really not understand. Like, of course he could understand that I was sad, but he could not understand those waves and, and how it, it, 
it was coming all of a sudden out of nowhere. You know, one second I was fine. One, then I was crying. I could go for dinner <laughs> with a friend and then come back crying in the car. And yeah. now I think oh you God, realize yeah. that it's, it's totally normal. But yeah. because he never went through this, he, he didn't know. He was absolutely not aware of yeah, well, none of us are and what happens to us, are we? Exactly. Mm. So that kind of obviously you mentioned before the, the sort of reasons why you kind of started your own grief account and you know wanting to find those connections with people, which is obviously just priceless, isn't it? Like we it always connect so much with people that actually do understand what we've gone through. But so how would you say that having that account then and you know, doing all of these Instagram lives that you've done with people and meeting all of these people, how would you say that that's affected your grief journey so far? Because, you know, it's not been long since your mum passed. And I think mm-hmm. that is such well, a huge thing to do months. already. Yeah, but yeah. You to put yourself out there like that so quickly is yeah. it's amazing. But I think I would have got into a depression if I hadn't started mm. that because I was I was early in my grief when the lockdown started. So it was March. And my mother had passed three, four months prior to this. I felt that at the beginning, it was a blessing for me to be home. Because as I said, I I had a hard time, you know, interacting with, with people, uh, working, you know, going to school, having all those like social and professional obligations. So mm. knowing that I was able to stay home just with my husband and my kids without having to see anyone, talk to anyone, you know, and be in my legging all day and just going out <laughs> to the park for a walk. You know, it seriously, at the beginning, I was like, this is a blessing in disguise. Of course, I had no idea, you know, the pandemic would have all those consequences. But yeah, the first yeah. week I was like, oof, that's a great break. We, we thought we were in it for <laughs> two weeks, you know, like the schools told us, like we're closing down for two weeks. So we're like, okay, great. It's going to be like a nice, you know, little staycation. A little break. <laughs> yeah, a little break. But then... In April, you know, we were a month into it and it started being very lonely. Not lonely because I needed the social interaction, but lonely because my grief, my mom, they were so long forgotten. The pandemic was on everyone's mind and everyone's lips. No one talked about anything else, but I was still grieving. I think my grief was taking much more space in my mind than the pandemic for me you know I knew it was a tragedy I knew it was very serious but I was I was dealing with something else and I needed someone to share it with and I had no one at that point I had no one to share it with everyone had moved on everyone had anxiety about the pandemic everyone was worried for their own losses their own jobs their own schools their own kids their own you know friends parents And I decided to join an online grief group on Facebook. And at that moment, I realized, wow, there are so many people going through the same experience, you know, being home, feeling lonely, feeling lonely in their grief. And it took me a little while, like it took me another month to start my, I mean, I had that Instagram account, but it was, you know, it was private. I think I had zero followers and zero following. I just wanted to post a picture about my mom without having to post them on my professional (laughs) Instagram account. Yeah. But then I realized that there was a whole other dimension on social media. I realized there was a grief community that I had no idea existed. 
the first time I, you know, I got in touch with it was on Facebook when I joined this online grief group. And then I started following accounts on Instagram. I'm like, wow, there's so many accounts, so many grief <laughs> podcasts. It's and like an army of us. <laughs> I know, but it's really like I tell my friends, you know, who are not grieving. I'm like, you have no idea. There's like this whole like hidden <laughs> dimension on social media and people talk about grief and they post about their parents and they talk about their loss and they talk about how they're dealing with their emotions. It's life-changing. Like it, you ask me like, what could help someone early in their grief? I'm like, go online, look for help. Like, just don't stay alone with your grief. Either, you know, look for some books or listen to podcasts, but go online because feeling lonely in your grief is the worst thing that can happen because it is already a very isolating experience. But not knowing that other people are going through the same, it's even more alienating, you know? So when I started the account and I started following and then people were following me back and I was able to talk about my mom and talk about myself, I just felt that I witnessed, you know, I felt validated in my grief. I'm like, wow, this is normal. I'm feeling this. This is another motherless daughter. Oh, she lost her father to cancer. She lost her mother to cancer. So all of a sudden I was connecting to so many people and we started DMing and I realized, why don't we talk about it live? You know, there were so many live happening. I don't know if that happened to your circle, but I know in New York, like everything became alive on Instagram. Like I was working with yeah. art and all of a sudden, like all the galleries were, you know, doing their own lives on Instagram. The, the artists were doing lives on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't want to hear at that moment. I didn't want to hear about art history, about paintings, about anything. I only wanted to hear about grief and other people's experiences. Mm. So I decided, okay, we're home. We're in lockdown. It was still, you know, uh, in May or June. So a lot of people were still at home. And I decided to to try it. Like, let's have, you know, my first live and then the second. And I was getting all those messages and those feedbacks. And I said, let's continue. And now 30, you know, 31 lives on Instagram later, I'm just so so grateful for all these people because I do the live on Instagram, but I do connect with the people before. Sometimes we chat for an hour. Sometimes we chat for like half an hour. Sometimes we DM multiple times and being able to talk to someone you've never met in your life that you probably will never meet in person in your life, but knowing that this person can understand you and can understand what you're going through, even though, you know, the loss is different, the grief is different. There is a common thread in grief. You know, there is a common pain that we're all feeling. And it it was just so healing for me to be able to share my story and to listen to other people. So I was happy to have this platform where I could give, you know, the space to to other grievers to 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 share their story and experience with grief yeah a hundred percent and that's exactly how I feel about this as well mm-hmm. like you know it's it's amazing the community that there is here and the opportunity there is to talk to people from all over the world who feel the same way that you do about your loss like it's amazing it's amazing mm. it's amazing and so, it really makes you feel like you're not alone and there are people supporting you and there are people witnessing your pain and they're validating whatever you're feeling if you're having a good day a bad day and 
it's it's been healing. I, I can't even imagine not having, you know, decided to go this way with my Instagram and how would my summer have looked like, you know, just alone mm. at home, you know, trying to cope <laughs> with my grief, with my books and going for walks with my podcast. It is very helpful, but it's not enough. The support that I got in the past four months was more than I had, you know, in the past 10 months. It it was mm. really life-changing. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, one of the questions that I love asking people, but I know it's quite difficult because it's only been 10 months for you, is like, do you think that your loss has changed who you are as a person? And I know we mentioned like the patient side of it, but, or even like, how do you think it's going to change you over the next couple of years and how you kind of go about your life? No, it definitely changed me for sure. First of all, I was a person that was always a control freak and a planner. And ever since my mother gets got sick, even before she passed, I started to lose control. I'm like, I cannot control this. I cannot plan. And until today, I feel like I'm much more flexible because I know that there are so many things that are not in our control. So mm. as much as I want to plan, you never know if it's going to happen or not. And then COVID started and it and it put all of us in the same situation. Like we're not able to foresee what's going to be, you know, in the future and what's going to happen. And it was really about not letting, you know, a situation you can control, control us. And I think I've learned that with, with my mother's passing and then with COVID that there's nothing we can do. We could not control, you know, her, her sickness. We could not control her treatment. We were doing the, the best we could, but there was nothing in our power to keep her alive at that point, you know, mm. and yeah. just letting go of the planning for me was a very, very big thing because I was, you know, I'm someone who's super organized. I like to have everything <laughs> planned. And knowing that things don't always happen the way you want is refreshing because then you learn to be more flexible. And I was never a very mm. flexible person, you know. So this you know what's funny? Um, you're saying that I've actually become the opposite. Um, before my mum died, I was very kind of carefree, like, you know, very flexible with my planning. I was like, things just happen as they do. Now I love I need to have everything planned to a T I hate it when something doesn't go like someone doesn't arrive at the right time or mm-hmm. my plans get turned around it's so funny how everybody yeah. kind of changes in different ways isn't it for sure yeah it was like you I was like you are today and then yeah. I realized when my mother was sick, you know, I would plan, yeah, like a birthday party. And then I would have to cancel because I had to rush to Brazil because my mom had a treatment. Or mm. we had, you know, holidays planned. And then my stepfather got worse and we had to cancel. So now mm. I cannot really plan in advance because I'm like, okay, let's <laughs> see how the, what's going to happen. And those yeah. past six months, like we didn't know if the school was going to open. We didn't know if we were going to be able to travel. So everything was like up in the air. So I'm very like up in the air now. Maybe I'll go back to be <laughs> Living life more, in the air. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll go back to be more, you know, 
organized or a planner. But for now, it's like this. So that was one of my lessons mm. to really not let a situation I can't control control me and just yeah. accepting that things happen and they're totally out of our control and there's not much we can do. And also just not take life for granted because I think when you face death and you see someone totally fine one day and then the next day getting a cancer mm. diagnosis that bad, you're like, whoa, I really going to enjoy or at least be grateful yeah. for every single day that is passing and just being grateful that you know, today I didn't have to worry about a sickness or I was able to walk, I was able to breathe. And I just, it made me become a m much more grateful person. And I try to pass Very this true. one to my kids. So I personally, I, I, I pray in the morning and at night and sometimes at night I, I do my gratitude. But when my kids mm. go to bed, I always ask them, you know, what are you grateful for today? And I want them to say that they're grateful for the food and, you know, for like walking to school, for going to school, mm -hmm. for having a roof on their head, because we take these things for granted. But then when someone in your family, you know, gets sick, literally overnight, because for me, my mom was totally fine. And then overnight, we got the diagnosis and actually downhill so fast. Yeah. And same thing when, mm. when she got her other diagnosis that she had metastasis in her liver. She was reacting so well to the chemo. She was able to travel and then another PET scan and another bad news. And we're like, how? I thought she was getting better. She's, you know, she's gaining weight. She's reacting well. How did this happen? You know, and just not taking life for granted and, and being grateful for the very, very, very small things like, I was at a hospital, you know, most of the time at the end and just going out for Starbucks for me was a huge deal, like huge. Just being able to leave the hospital. I'm like, wow, can you imagine some people are bedridden in a hospital and they cannot even go out for a Starbucks coffee? So all of a sudden I was realizing those little things, not the big things, the little things that we take for granted, like walking alone to go to the bathroom, going out for the cup of coffee um being able to eat whatever you want you know so i think i became more mindful about just about my surroundings in general and yeah and definitely more grateful so true i think gratitude is something that i think i've learned to kind of grow into a lot more um but that's another thing that I found from all these people that I've spoken to is that you do find happiness in the smallest things in your day, which is just such a blessing that we're actually able to do that, even though we've yeah. experienced something so, you know, sad and painful. Um, my final question for you, Patricia, is what would you say to other people who are grieving you know, a similar loss to you right now? I really would say don't be afraid to ask for help or to share what you're going through because we kind of want to accommodate other people, you know, like we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable because we're grieving. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, grief is already very taboo. Death is very taboo. So 
because we get into this and we don't talk about it enough, you know, we feel like we're, we're bothering other people with our grief. But I would definitely say that you have close friends, not everyone, but I'm sure like you can have a few friends with who you can talk about it or ask for help or text them, tell them that you need the support or just as I did, you know, find that support online. Um, it can be a specialist. It can be just an online grief group. It can be the grief community on Instagram, but it's very isolating and don't think that, you know, you're bothering other people. Don't let the society make you believe that your grief is not important and your pain should not be seen and your grief should not be witnessed. I think it's the total opposite. And I think what you're doing and what I'm doing on Instagram and what other accounts are doing is really opening the conversation because grievers you know there used to be silence like it's okay for you to grieve for you know a week or a month but then you you don't want other people to be uncomfortable with your grief or with your loss or with whatever pain you're you're carrying with you and it's not okay so I don't true. think it's okay <laughs> I really so don't true. think it's okay so what we're all doing in this grief community is trying to make death and grief less taboo so if you're, you know, unfortunately new into grief and the dead parent, you know, club, reach out, reach out to people who might be, you know, going through the same. I mean, even if someone had lost, you know, their parent years ago, they know the pain, but don't, you know, don't isolate yourself. Don't try to silence your grief or numb it or make it smaller than it is just to accommodate other people. Mm. I just don't think it's okay. I mean, Preach it. that's my perspective because I remember, you know, going back to New York at the beginning and I went to the synagogue and I asked the rabbi, like, you know, where, where can I find an, a grief group? And I'd like to connect with other people going through the same experience. And they were not able to help me. Because there was also something very cultural that we want to bring joy, you know, within the community. We want to bring, you know, good news. I don't think we want to talk about death, you know. We don't want to bring mm. something that heavy. And I just didn't <laughs> keep myself silent. And now I have a lot of people within that community, physically in New York, that I talk to because I told them I, I want to help people. I wanted to be helped and now I want to help people because I don't want them to think that they have to keep their grief for themselves and that it's only okay to grieve for, you know, the first week when you have the prayers or the first month. It's okay to grieve without timeline. And that's really the message that I want to put out. So not mm. only, you know, in the online grief community, but also, you know, in real life with people around me. Yeah, so true. I love that. Um, I think especially what you were saying before about, you know, not minimising our grief and stuff to make mm -hmm. other people feel less uncomfortable. I do think it's important for us not to do that because at some point they're going to grieve as well. And I think the more that we can educate people on what grief is actually like, <laughs> the, the more people are actually going to be 
at least a little bit more ready for what they're about to experience. Whereas if we kind of go, I had a dad, but, you know, I'm okay, then when that person does lose somebody, they're going to think, oh, that person was okay. It's wrong that I'm not. Um, So, you know, we should be telling people that it's okay that you break down a year, two years, five years, ten years after your loved one's died because it's completely normal. (laughs) And by the way, it's going to come with disappointment and with good surprises because at that moment you also realize who are your friends that are able to listen Mm. to you even after 10 months and who are your friends that after a month is like done with your grief and is totally emotionally unavailable for you so it's also a good lesson but I I don't believe and this is what I did I don't believe that you should accommodate that person who's not emotionally available for Mm. you because because you, your friend, I mean, it's like in a marriage, you're, you're, you're there for the good and the bad, same in friendship. So if the, the, mm-hmm. the friends cannot handle your bad moment and... Bend them off. <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, Literally. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Um, thank you so much for coming on and for your time, Patricia. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having this podcast because, you know, as you said, the dead parent club is not a club you want to be in. But <laughs> if you're in, you know, you at least want to know that other people are sharing mm. your story and exactly and support. We are a club. You. Yeah. We are we are a club, just a club of like very exactly. similar like different people with similar experiences exactly. and we're all connected. So no, it's really special. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well. If coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening. And we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.